I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. It was Monday morning and the Spirit of God, I wasn't even looking for Him to talk about. I was just enjoying time with Him. And He began to speak something and Mar's been talking to me about it ever since. And uh, I want to take the Word of God tonight and I want to do two things. Number one, I want to set people free with it because the Word of God is the sword that cuts chains off people. I want to set people free and then I want to help you and protect you with God's Word. And uh, we want to talk tonight about freedom from religion. Uh, freedom from religion. That's what we want to talk about tonight. Am I rubbing wrong air? You don't like my mind. Tonight, we're going to talk about a religious spirit. And um, I think if you're in church on a Wednesday night, you've probably reached the point to where cocaine's probably not going to get you again. I, I don't fear getting back into cocaine again. I never was real big on drugs much anyway. I, I used them a lot when I was young, but they never pulled me. I'm, I'm not, I think I'm to the place where I'm not going to run off with the piano player. His wife wouldn't appreciate it, and he's really not my type anyway. I, I just, the one thing that will mess you, once you decide I'm going to follow Jesus, the one thing that will mess you up more than anything else is a religious spirit. And it's the one thing, and these are the words of Jesus to me and you tonight. I want you to look at me in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus is speaking. Now, when his disciples, tell me what a disciple is. All right, a disciple, somebody's they're sold out. They're going to follow Jesus. Who's he talking? He's talking, he's talking to people that are following him, sold out. You know, a disciple is somebody that's so captured by a man, they want to spend their life following him and learning to be like him. They want to imitate him. I was talking to disciples here. I want you to watch what Jesus says to disciples then and now. His disciples had come the other side. They'd forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What did Jesus say to disciples? He said, beware of something. What did he say to beware of? Leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees. Now remember, these are not pagans. These are not nominal people. These are followers of Jesus. And he said, listen to me. In, in, this, uh, in the original language, he got their attention. He said, I, I want you to be real careful about something. I want you to look out for the influence of the Pharisees in your life. You say, well, Brother Brian, we don't have to worry about that because the Pharisees died. They did. But the spirit of the Pharisee is still alive today. And the spirit of a Pharisee, the spirit of religion is the same thing. Actually, Pharisees still exist in, uh, in uh, traditional Judaism today. But uh, Jesus said this, I want you to be careful. And this is what he wants to say to you tonight, be careful. I want you to look out for a spirit of religion. I want you to beware of the spirit of a Pharisee. And so we're going to study that tonight and talk about it and see what he says. Now, what, y'all know what leaven is. Right, a lady's making bread. She's got a big old lump of dough. She takes something called leaven. It just a pinch, just a little bit of leaven, puts it in the loaf, and it transforms that whole loaf. It don't take much leaven to transform all that loaf and change it. You got that? Well, did, is Jesus telling me to look out for, for cooking ingredients? Le, leaven in the Bible always means influence. Influence. And twice the Bible says this. 
In Galatians, well, I'll just quote it to you, Galatians chapter 5. Now, the book of Galatians is the book that says beware of religion. The theme of Galatians is beware of religion. Uh, if you love Jesus and you become religion, religious, you're going to lose the benefits of Christ. That's the book of Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 5, he said this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he's not talking about bread. He said just a little bit of religion will ruin everything Jesus is doing in your life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 1 Corinthians 5, 16 says this. Do you not know that just a little bit of influence, a little leaven can destroy everything? So the Bible issues some stern warnings about leaven, which is influence. And Jesus said, I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Well, they said he, he's upset because we didn't bring bread. How many of you know we all need to be taught sometime? And Jesus got ill. He said, he said did I not just make did I not just feed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread? He said, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about beware of the leaven, the influence of religious people. Of course, the Pharisees were the religious <clears throat> leaders of that day. And uh, I want you to, let me take a minute. You know what Pharisee, you've ever heard the term Pharisee? Let me tell you why we should study it so much. Because in the four gospels that are the life of Jesus, they're the number one person to show up in his life. God puts so much in the Bible about Pharisees that we need to say, well, if this is in the Bible, he's trying to say something to me. Technically, a Pharisee was under the old covenant. They were old covenant religious leaders and they followed Moses. Matter of fact, in John 9, they're in an argument with Jesus and they said, we are Moses' disciples. So that's the technical definition of a Pharisee. They were ministers who were living under the old covenant law of Moses. Of course, the old covenant law is the 10 commandments. And the commandments were given to give people a good life. Would you agree with me that everybody in America observed the Ten Commandments, we'd have a great nation? Okay, the commandments, Jesus said the commandments were to give life, but they took the commandments and turned it into a perversion. They broke Ten Commandments down into 613 subcommandments. 613, and they like to kill people with them. I'll give you an example. There's a commandment that says, honor the Sabbath. How many of you know that's in there? So you might know the number. Never mind, as long as you know it's in there. As long as you know it's in there. Why was that given? The Sabbath was given to protect my emotions, my body, and my mind so I could rest and labor. It was given for man. Jesus said the Sabbath is for the man, not the man for the Sabbath. All right, they took that and they broke it down into about 40 different rules you couldn't take. But X number of steps on the Sabbath, if you took more physical steps than that, you broke it and, and you're in trouble. What did they get on Jesus for? Healing on the, because we got a rule, you can't labor. You, you're, a, you're a healer, you're working, you're in trouble. And, and they wanted to keep Jesus from healing people because of their perversion. Uh, they were just nuts. They still are. They're just nuts. Here's the bottom line of the Pharisees, no grace. Here's religion, no grace. Everything with them had to be earned. Everything God does for you, you have to earn it. And you earn it two ways, by keeping the rules and serving God. That's the bottom line. There's no grace. You have to earn it. You have to be worthy. You have to deserve it. And that's just the bottom line of everything they did. And this is, who is a, here's one of the greatest pictures of a Pharisee in the Bible. The Pharisee was the elder brother in Luke chapter 15. Remember the prodigal? had a father, had an elder brother. Jesus was actually telling that parable to the Pharisees because the Pharisees were, here's how you know they were Pharisees. They were complaining. 
and they were complaining about people not doing right. Jesus was eating with sinners and he told a story and the elder brother in that passage says what? I have kept every rule. I have served you and you don't give me enough stuff. I have earned it, God, and you're not giving me enough stuff. That's the spirit of a Pharisee. That is the spirit of religion. You have to, you have to be on a treadmill. You have to keep every rule, cross every T, dot every I, go to church every time the door is open, never listen to beach music. You have to earn the blessing of God. You have to earn heaven. And you're always on this teeter. That's the spirit of a Pharisee. And uh, what, what did Jesus tell me and you to do with them? What did he say? Cooperate with them. Beware of them. He said, beware. And why did he say? Because a little bit of this stuff gets on you and it'll ruin everything. I know some of the, I know, I've gotten a lot of people. They got saved. They were on, they loved Jesus. They were beautiful. They were free. They were full of joy. They got caught up in a religious camp and they're cranky. They've lost their joy. They're aggravating. I just assume have a colonoscopy. Just have to go around with them anymore. They, they didn't get back into drugs. They didn't become drunks again. They became religious and you couldn't stand to be around them. You know what? They didn't, they were not bewaring of the leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees got in and ruined everything. All right, I want you to turn with me and to help. I want us to learn tonight about this. And I'm going to tell you the reason we need to learn it. I want you to look at the five signs of a Pharisee spirit or religious spirits in Matthew 23. It's where Jesus teaches. So you can turn a few pages to the right. See if you have seen this in a church anywhere or in a mirror anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. You need to watch out for Pharisees. And you need to watch out for the Pharisee in me. Matthew 23 is an entire teaching where Jesus blasted the spirit of religion. And in here you find five signs that you need to look out for. If you see this in a church, find you another one. If you see it in a friend, warn him. If you see it in yourself, repent. Matthew 23, five signs of a religious spirit. Number one. They make following God hard. They make following God hard. Look at them in Matthew 23, verse one. Jesus spoke to the multitude and his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Verse four, they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. They've got all these rules, all these burdens, all these activities, and, and to them, following God is hard and they wanna make it hard on you. They buy they cut heavy burdens and then they do what? They lay it on people. Can't smoke, can't cuss, can't drink, can't smile, can't whatever. Need to be here. Where was you when we went? We went witness the other night. You weren't here. You missed a, I remember four years ago, you missed a Sunday night service. All oh, they just, they load it on you. They don't help people. They load it on them. And uh, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus make it hard? Turn with me to Matthew 11. Let me show you the difference. Matthew 11. You need to remember this verse right here. Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 28. You need to memorize this. Now here's Jesus. Remember, the Bible said a religious spirit, a Pharisee spirit, all, they just load you down with heavy requirements. Look what Jesus says. Verse 28, come to me. It's that same thing as follow me. Yes, sir. Follow me. All you who labor and are worn out. I'll give you what? rest. Take my yoke upon you, which means walk with me, follow me, learn from me. I am gentle and humble. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is what? My burden is light. 
You ever heard anybody say, well, Brother, Brother Brown, following God's hard, but we got it. Where'd you get that from? What does the Bible say? My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Listen, religion will kill you. Jesus is an easy load. Don't let him put that stuff on you. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 8. I love one of my favorite verses, Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will. I, I love to do the will of God. And I've tagged underneath it. And I hate church stuff. Not all of it. There was, if it's not a delight, it's not his will. Yeah, but you're one of them. I delight to do. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father. Feeds me. All right, number two. Turn back with me to Matthew 23. Number one, they make following God so hard. I think being religious is hard. Matter of fact, it'll kill you. If it don't kill you, I'll kill you if you hang around me. <laughs> number two, here's what else you said about them. And you'll see this over and over. The outside's more important than the inside. The outside is more important than the inside. What people think is more important than what God thinks. I want you to look how he describes this in uh, Matthew 23, verse 5. All their works they do to be what? Honor God, be seen by men. They work to impress men. Look, look with me in verse 25. Here's the description. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside's full of extortion and selfishness. Blind Pharisees, first clean the cup and dish inside that the outside may be clean. Then he describes in verse 27. Woe to you. You're like whitewashed tombs, which are beautiful on the outside, but the inside you're full of death. Also, you outwardly look good to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and evil. What did Jesus say? You, you're so worried about what people think and about trying to impress people. What's God interested in? Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And religion's always concerned about what people think and about it, you know, doing things <clears throat> to impress people. Let me give you some lists here. Number one, wardrobe. Surely a minister never wears short britches to a church. So listen, when I first got into this, listen, I, I, when I met Jesus, it lit my fire. I was, so, I was so clean and blessed and so in love with God. I was crazy about Jesus. And, you know, I was so, I'm one of the most zealous people for Jesus I ever met when I first got saved. And so, you know, you think, well, Jesus, church. I, I thought those two went together. So I got involved in the most serious people I could find. And they put me in religious bondage. I mean, you had to wear a coat and tie everywhere you went. That just required. I mean, they looked down their nose at you. If, if a woman cut her hair, she was in trouble. I, there's a verse in there. There's a verse. God's word. God have mercy is what it is. Wardrobe. Now, you, listen, I, not long ago, a fellow said, he said, well, Brother Brian, doesn't the Bible say we should wear our best, wear our best church? Number one, when you talk like that, you make me nervous. <laughs> Let's just settle this. I've heard preachers say all the time, you should wear your best church. Show it to me. I've read the whole thing many times. It ain't in there. I can't even figure out what verse they're perverting there. Let me show you what Jesus said about, let me show you what Jesus said about dressing up and go to church. Right there, Matthew 23. All their works they do to be seen by men, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the burden of their garments. That may not mean to you, he said, they dress fancy to go to church. To be seen by men. Let me tell you something. As long as you're covered... When he said, let your light shine, he wasn't talking about your tail light. As long as you're covered, 
I would far rather have somebody come in here dressed humbly with their heart broken before God than to dress and impress full of pride. Well, guess who else? Wardrobe, church activity. You need to be here every time the door's open. We had a meeting the other night, you weren't there. Good for you. Just the demands, all these hoops you got to jump. Let me give you some more. No beach music. Got to play Christian music all the time. I'm sorry, you can listen to beach music. I'm saying it's not right. And, and certainly no rock music. Well, maybe mild rock, maybe soft rock, real soft rock. As long as nobody hears it, just in your car. I'm just, just the nitpickiest. No adultery. Public. Public. Jesus said you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of indulgence. Number three, you, you can drink no beer and you have to brag about it that you don't drink it. <laughs> I've been all over this place. I'm just, and let me tell you another one. When I first, I'm not going to tell you what group I was in, but dancing, you danced your way straight into hell if you danced. No dancing, no dancing. You know, you know why I finally figured out they don't like dancing? They have no coordination. <laughs> They're against what they... <laughs> They're against what they can't do. Uh, you know, you can't dance because, as a preacher told me one time, so if you dance, it might cause me to lust. I said, that's your stinking problem, not theirs. Well, I'm trying not to get too jacked up. The, the point is, everybody's so concerned about what it looks like on the outside. Well, what did Jesus say on the inside? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Four things about a religious spirit. You, you can do all this stuff and impress people on the outside. He said on the inside, they're critical. Jesus said, you got a critical spirit on the inside. That's the mark of a Pharisee. They were always criticizing him and they criticized him sharply. Luke 15, I've already quoted, they criticized him. Number two, they were jealous. I'm convinced that a lot of religious people, they just don't want you doing stuff because they can't. They're mad about it. Go ahead and sin, get over is what I tell them or whatever you think. Number three, <laughs> take that out. What Jesus said about it, Mark, they said, you're hard-hearted. You're hard-hearted. Jesus wanted to heal a man on a, on a Sabbath. And they said, this guy's got a withered hand. It isn't okay to help him. And Jesus said, looked around and God was angry because of the heart. They would rather keep their silly little rules than help a man who needed help. Jesus called that hard-heartedness. How many hard-hearted religious people do I know? I'm in a church years ago, pastor a little country church. And it made them so ill that I went out and brought people. They just didn't want me bringing people to church because they weren't, as they told me, these aren't our kind of kids. These aren't our kind of, I tell you that, these aren't our kind of people. Preacher, you don't, you're young, you don't understand, you can't help them kind of people. I'm bringing in anybody that wanted to come. So I bring them, we had a bash one day, brought a bunch of kids from the neighborhood and they were below, they were below. You know what I mean by below? They did, I don't know. And afterwards, uh, a deacon came to see me and he was so mad. His face was red. His neck veins were stuck out and he'd found a piece of cake in God's house. <laughs> I mean, in the auditorium. That's okay in the dining hall because that's where we all go to sin out there. But in, the, in God's house. And he was so furious that these stinking kids you brought in disrespected God's house. And I thought, you're going to pop a gasket, Bubba. What's wrong with you? Oh my goodness, you know what that is? Couldn't have cared less that these kids had nobody to care for them, nobody to love. Maybe just you took your cake in my church. Hard-hearted, just cold-hearted is what it is. And then the fourth thing Jesus said is your prejudice. 
And he nailed them for their religious prejudice and their racial prejudice often. Listen, <clears throat> I don't care if you don't dance. If your heart's messed up, Jesus is looking in here, not at your feet. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Number two, the, the Jesus said the outside's more important than inside. Number three, now listen to this one. Religion can never get you where you want to go. It'll leave you disappointed every time. It can't get you. What, what are we all looking for? We're all looking for peace, joy, hope, healing, heart healing. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? Religion will never do it for you. Let me show you something. Look with me in verse 16. <laughs> what's, what's, I thought this was rather humorous. Jesus is wonderful. He said, woe to you. And what does he call religious people in verse 16? Woe to you, blind guides. You have got to be kidding me. How many of you want a blind guide? <laughs> On occasion, my son, we, we'd hire a guy at times to take us fishing out in the ocean when we didn't know where it was going. Could you imagine me waiting by the dock there? And he says, I'm reaching. Guy comes out with a cane. And he's tapping along the edge. Saying, I'm going to take y'all out shark fishing today. <laughs> Are we in trouble? What's wrong with a blind guide? They can't get you there. Why can they not get you there? They can't. Is this hard or what? What did Jesus say about religious leaders, religious people? They're blind guides. They can't get you where you want to go. Listen, religion can never bring joy into your heart. It can just bring rules in your life. It can bring the approval of men, but it can't bring real joy in your heart. It can't bring you peace. It can't bring you the presence of God. It can never bring you true freedom. Yeah. You, in the, let me tell you what you're going to do. You, you're going to try not to do what you're not supposed to be in. You're going to grit your teeth trying your best to do it. That's not freedom. That's bondage. It, it can just never take you where you want to go. <clears throat> and let me tell you something else about these folks. If you do ever begin to find spirit, life, and hope and freedom, they'll get in the way. Watch it. Look what Jesus said in verse 13. Woe to you. By the way, you know what woe means in the Bible? You're in trouble. Isn't it funny Jesus told the preachers over and over, you're in trouble. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You have sealed the kingdom of heaven against men. You don't go in, and those that are trying to get in, you're standing in their way. What's the kingdom of heaven? It's not religion. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's when the Spirit of God brings life to you. And he said, they said, he said, y'all are religious as, as all get out, but you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not finding Spirit freedom. And when somebody does find it, you try to get in the way. I remember, I'm, now I'm young, I was in a certain, well, I was, I was Baptist in Baptist camp, and just this particular Baptist camp, I was in fundamental Baptist camp. And uh, they had all their rules. I don't know where they came from. Some of them were all right, but some of them were just nonsense. Well, I had a friend. He was a Church of God preacher. So I'd go to the Church of God and we'd have a grand time and just having a big, oh, that, that lit them up. Because, you know, I, they, 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 they emphasized the Holy Spirit over there and I'd find freedom and all kinds of, well, they, they just rained down on me like thunder. Went over there to one of them other camps. How many camps does God have? You try to find Jesus, they'll get in the way. But it can't get you where you want to go. Number four, I, I, let's have some fun here. Jesus calls them nitpickers. Y'all know what a nitpicker is. You ever heard that? Did your mom ever tell you to quit nitpicking? Well, she probably should have. Look with me in verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You ought to have done this. Verse 24, blind guides, there he goes again, who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Let me make an announcement. If you're straining out and swallow a camel, you're an idiot. Really? <laughs> I'd have got my coffee cup here. And uh, I'm standing there drinking my morning coffee. And I go, oh my, oh my goodness, mama. And I go crazy and there's a gnat in my coffee. Get it out, get it out. So she goes, I don't want a gnat in my coffee. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Brian. Glory, glory. She looks around and I'm standing and there's a big camel's butt plopped in that cup. And I'm holding on. <laughs> got him right there. She said, camel don't bother you. I said, what, what camel? What do you call them? Blind. You'll nitpick over a, a, somebody had a beer can laying in the bed of their truck and your heart's full of adultery and evil and hatred and you can't see that? He said, you're nitpickers. You aggravate people to death over little things that don't really matter, but you neglect some things. You, you've neglected the big stuff. Let me go through my list. Here we, here we are. Length of your skirt. Y'all don't believe this stuff, do you? We're getting, thank God we're getting away from it a little bit. I remember the day, man, if a woman's skirt didn't touch the top of her knee, you in trouble. You in trouble. Huzzy. That's the way they call you, huzzy. <laughs> Listen to this. You ever heard this? I heard this many times. Hair on your ear, sin in your heart. Hair on your ear, sin in your heart. Yeah, if your hair touched your ears, you had to sin in your heart. Had to keep your hair cut. When I enrolled in the, I'm not going to tell you what kind of college. When I enrolled in Baptist College, 1981, the campus minister stood at the registration line. If your hair touched your ears, you couldn't register. You had to get out of line, go across the street to the barbershop, get your hair cut before you could go to college. Hair in, they, they used to say that. Hair on your ear, sin in your heart. or I don't know. Sin in your ear, hair in your heart. I'm not sure what. It was something like that. <laughs> I think they've backed off a little bit now, but there was a day when if you ate in a restaurant that served alcohol, Deacon's going to come see you. Aiding it, you ate, I don't care if you didn't drink it, you just ate where they served it. With my hand in there, you know my hand in there, that means serious. A lady joined our church not long ago with visiting, I was talking to her and she said, uh, you know, Sarah, she said, we just, our church just beat us to death. She said, we finally left, said several years ago, when they were having an argument about alcohol sales in Graham, and I'm not promoting alcohol, you know that, having sale, arguing about alcohol sales in Graham, and said there's this restaurant sort of led the way, the man's passed away now, sort of led the way, and said our, our preacher, that's all he preached about, the sin of alcohol, every Sunday, beat us to death, oh, well, that's all we heard, and said, uh, oh, our folks just up in arms against alcohol. By the way, we have to say alcohol. you can't say alcohol like normal people do, and um, Said, we're sitting in this restaurant. If I named you, you'd know where it's at, right there, sitting right in the middle of Graham there. Said, we're sitting in this restaurant. We're eating cheeseburgers and milkshakes, cheeseburgers and milkshakes. And this old couple walked by from our church. We're sitting in the glass in the booth. They walked by on the side. They saw us sitting in there and said, that man looks so mad at us. And he looked and he did this. <laughs> Do you know how stupid you look standing on the sidewalk doing that? Of course, he had on his coat and tie. <laughs> Booze Nazis. <laughs> fishing on Sunday. Fishing on Sunday is the road straight to hell. The road to hell is lead with fishing. Paid fishing on Sunday. I've already said it before, unholy music. You get called unholy music. <laughs> Hand in air. Went through your records when I was in college. If it, if it was anything that wasn't, it had to be at least... Uh, you had to be at least George Beverly Shea or above that's gone. I had a friend of mine went to Oral Roberts 
That's which is another Christian school. I'm not knocking. I think Oral's wonderful, man. I love Oral. So he went to Oral Roberts. He said, I, guy came, he'd come in your room every week. Say, you got any unholy records in here? He said, <laughs> I should tell it. He said, I said, yeah. I said, well, I had one, but I throwed it away. He said, what's wrong? He said, a little hole in the middle kept healing itself, and I knew it didn't belong here. So I just throwed it away. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have told that. These people are nuts. You know, they just all nitpicky stuff, nitpicky stuff, you know. But what did Jesus say about him? You've neglected the big three. What did Jesus say are the big three? Let's read it again. Look in verse 23. Jesus said, you, you pay tithe of mint. You know what it means to pay tithe of mint and coming? Guy's sitting in the kitchen, his wife's making a cake. And uh, she looks around, she don't have a spice. No, mint. I need some mint. I'll run next door to the store. She runs, gets that stuff, comes back. So he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, did you tithe that? He said, we believe in tithing. You get a birthday card, $5 in it, 50 cent belongs to God. And is there anything wrong with tithing? Jesus said, do it. He said, they'll nitpick you to death on stuff. But look what they overlook. He said, you're missing the big three. Verse 23 says this. You neglected the what? The weightier matters. Look at the three of them. Justice, mercy, faith. What did Jesus say of the big three? Justice. Tell me what justice is. Treat people right. Treat people right. What's mercy? Have a forgiving, compassionate attitude. You want, you want to forgive people. You're looking to forgive people. You accept people. You try to bring people hope instead of kill. Listen to me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. My heavenly father is looking for every way he can to be merciful to people. If you force him, he will judge you with tears. But he's looking for every way to be merciful. A religious spirit, on the other hand, they're looking to catch you. They want to judge you. And then what's the third one? Faith. Quit fussing at people. Teach them how to believe God for great things in their lives. Build their faith up. He said, quit knocking them down. Build their faith up. And Jesus said, these are the big three. Listen to me. If you want to focus on something, focus on justice, mercy, and faith. But let's, we need to major on the majors instead of the minors. And this was a great, uh, great problem. Let me, give, let me give you one more. They want to hurt people rather than help them. They end up hurting more people than they help. And how many wounded people do I know that have been burned by religion? been hurt by. Look with me in verse 34. I send you prophets, wise men, scribes. Some of them you kill, you crucify, you scourge in your, in your synagogue, you hurt them in your churches from city to city. Jesus said you actually end up hurting people. Well, who is it that comes to hurt? The thief comes to steal and destroy. All right. Let me give you an example. Here's a classic, the classic example of the difference between Jesus and religion. In John chapter 8, the ministers brought a woman caught in adultery. And they brought her to Jesus and they said, we found a verse in the Bible that says we can kill her. And we're going to do it. What are you going to say about it? And Jesus said, go ahead. Go ahead, kill her. Matter of fact, the way they killed him, they put you against the city wall and took large stones and threw them at you, threw them at you till it killed you. They beat you to death with these rocks. It's called stoning. He said, go ahead and do it. He said, but, but whoever picks up the first rock, you better be sin free. You just got to love Jesus. They couldn't catch him in his words and he nailed them every time. He said, whoever's without sin, you're going to be the first one. And every one of them finally, talking about one of the great miracles of the Bible, they got convicted. When you see a religious person get convicted of their own sin, that's a major miracle right there. They walked off and Jesus said, where are all those people who want to kill you? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one. Lord, what happens when you call him Lord? 
She said, no one, Lord. Listen to what he said. Neither do I condemn you. I didn't, I didn't bring you here to beat you up. I, came, I brought you here to pick you up. What did he say? Go and sin no more. He called it sin, but instead of wanting to kill her for it, he wanted to help her with it. That's the difference between a Pharisee or a religious spirit. I've had people get on me for things I do. They weren't trying to help me. They were trying to hurt me. I could tell they wanted to clean my clock and they wanted to expose me or bang on me a while. Now listen, I know that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Go ahead and wound me if I need it. But listen to me, you better be my friend. You better love me when you come straighten me out. All right, more damage than good like that. Let me give you some examples I've, I've experienced. With. One of the reasons I don't wear a coat and tie in church is well, just to be honest with you, I hate them. I could be spiritual and say I'm trying to relate, but I just hate them. And besides, I, why would you wear a coat when it's 92 degrees? Don't, I don't understand that stuff. But one of the reasons I wear blue jeans all the time is because when I first came here, I met so many people. Matter of fact, I met a lady and her daughter had never been, had been to church since, the, since she, the lady was, her daughter had never been. The lady was a little girl. So we decided to go and we, we went to church and said the preacher pointed at us and preached against us the whole time for wearing blue jeans in his church. And she said, my daughter said, I'll never go back again to another church. And uh, I maybe know, that may have been, I think it was the best they had. What kind of sick preacher is more concerned about you having blue jeans on than helping you? And so that's why I dress like I do. I mean, I dress like this because I just can't get over summer disappearing. But the deal is, ended up hurting more people. How many ladies have I met that were teenagers in the church and got pregnant? And the church beat them to death. Instead of picking them up, it beat them up. And I've had, no few, I've had girls come to me in my church with tears and say, i got to tell you something. And I said, I probably know what it is. Go ahead. And they tell me I got pregnant. And uh, they say, you're not going to fuss. I said, look to me like you didn't beat yourself up bad enough. Jesus didn't come to beat people up. Came to pick people up. You wonder why I blast religious people so much sometimes. How many fallen angels, how many fallen preachers have been in my churches through the years? They made mistakes. They got in trouble. And they got turned out of their churches. And I said, well, you just come on over here. Listen, but by the grace of God, there go I. One day we'll all have perfect wings, but not quite yet. But that's, that's the death of religion, leave people wounded. Now, I want to show you one of the most amazing things you'll ever see in Scripture. Remember these Pharisees, these were the best people in town. They were there every time the church doors were open. They never broke the Ten Commandments. They broke the heart of them every time they opened their mouths, but they never broke the Ten Commandments. They didn't use drugs. They didn't drink. They went to church. They tithed. They didn't cuss. They didn't run around on their wives. These, you would have thought these were the best people in town. What did Jesus say about these people? I want you to see something. Watch this. Matthew 23, 33. Look at this. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Is that strong language or what? Matthew 23, 33, he called them. It's bad enough to call somebody a snake, but to call their mama a snake? What do you think? You know, viper, what does brood of viper mean? It means your mama's a snake. Brood of viper, brood means where you came from. Where did he tell them they were going? He said, you keep every rule, you're going straight to hell. My goodness. That's a whole message in itself, just that verse, at how you can be so good in front of people and Jesus have this to say about the situation like that. That's sort of wild, isn't it? All righty. I'm going to do something really wild right now. I'm going to show you something really strange. Let's rip the mask off religion. Who's behind it? You say, Brother Brian, God's behind religion. You sure about that? Let me just show you something. Let's just rip the mask off. Turn with me to John chapter 8. 
John chapter 8, again, is the passage I've already quoted to you. In John 8, where a woman was caught in adultery, they wanted to kill her. Jesus wanted to save her. He didn't mince words. He called it sin, but he said, I'm here to help you. I want to help you. I don't want to hurt you. And after this woman walks away, the Pharisees came straight back. And they wanted to argue with Jesus. They called Jesus soft on sin. If people call you soft on sin, you're in good company. They called Jesus soft on sin. They get in an argument with him. And all the way from verses 13 through 40, they're arguing about him with Jesus. Back and forth. They're just arguing with him about he's not right. How many of you know you shouldn't tell God he's not right? Remember what he called them? Blind. They're not only blind to their own sins. Darren's religious people can't see God when he's at work. John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. God was working. And they said this, we're Moses' disciples. We have no idea who this man is. Religion will blind you from where God, God will be working in your midst. You can't see it if you're religious. But watch the, watch the uh, revelation here. John 8, 41. John 8, 41. And Jesus said this to them for John 8, 41. They finally, they've been arguing all half a day. 41, you do the deeds of your father. Jesus said, look, you're just doing what your father does. Look at this. <clears throat> they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. What does that mean we're not born of fornication? Your mama was a slut. They're pointing back to Mary not being married to Joseph. They never let her get over it. This is 30 some years later. They said, your mama was a slut. We weren't born of fornication like you were. Your mama wasn't even married. They, by the way, you make a mistake, they'll never forget it. Which it was not a mistake. He was not born of fornication. He was born of God. The Holy Spirit did that. And, <laughs> and they said this, we have one father, God. Can you see in verse 41 where the Pharisees told Jesus, God is our father. Can you see that? Watch this. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. How do you know if somebody's born of God? They're flat crazy about Jesus. <laughs> verse 44, you are of your father, the who? Did he just say that religion's born of the devil? You know what father means, don't you? That's who birthed you. Did he tell them your father's the devil? No wonder they had such a hard time getting along in the ministerial meetings. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Now watch this right here. The desires of your father you want to do. Tell me what they did every day. Went to church, read the Bible, studied the Bible, taught the Bible, prayed, never broke a rule. He said, this is of the devil. Just crazy or what? Religion is born of hell and it's a slick substitute. Now, let me, let me help you understand why. Which is more dangerous? A false friend or an outright enemy? Listen, somebody just comes up to you in a red pitchfork and says, I'm the devil and I'm going to spear you. Wouldn't you have enough sense to dodge? What does the Bible call Satan? He's cunning. He's deceptive. He is, listen, he's smart. He knows better than to come up to you in a way that you're going to resist. Listen to me carefully. Before you find Jesus, his job is to keep you away from Jesus. After you find Jesus, he's going to change tactics and he's going to come to you with religion, try to make you religious. And he's going to deceive you. He's going to be behind it. This is why Jesus said, beware of religion. Beware of the spirit of a Pharisee, the leaven of a Pharisee. I promise you, if some hussy comes up to me and asks me to go to Las Vegas, I'm going to go, ain't that where that virus is at? I don't want to go to Las Vegas with no hussy. I'm... That, he's not going to do that to me. But I'm going to tell you something. Religion is so insidious, it can slip in and you not know it. 
That's the deception. Let me show you one of the craziest verses in the Bible. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. How many of you believe there's a real devil in the earth wreaking havoc? We need to start believing what the Bible says. I promise you, Jesus is not behind all this wounding and hurting and hellion. All right, watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's just pull the mask off here. And then I'm going to say something, see if you agree with it from Scripture. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says this. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. No wonder Satan himself transforms himself into what? A messenger of God. It was an angel of light is a messenger of God. God is light. How does Satan come to people? Pretending to be God. He comes dressed up as God. What does it mean transforms himself? He changes from the hideous beast we think he is, and he comes as a minister. He comes as God. He'll pretend to be God in your head and put thoughts in your head, and you'll fall for it. Let me give you one of the greatest tools you'll ever have to learn the difference. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Zero. You know why? The living God is incapable of condemning. He condemned his son so that I could be encouraged. So anytime anything makes you feel bad, like I just feel so bad about that. Who's coming to you pretending to be God? Who's coming as an angel of light? Let me help you know the difference. Now conviction means I'm going to make this right. Let me tell you the difference between conviction and condemnation. Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts us to come up. Satan condemns us to beat us up. Let me tell you the difference. Condemnation causes you to look at you. Conviction always causes you to look to Jesus. Anything in you that says, look at you, look at you, look at what you did. Guess who that is? You say, oh, Brother Brian, it was wrong. I know it was wrong, but who's talking to you? Who has come disguised as an angel of light wanting to beat you up and destroy you? But when the Holy Spirit comes, let me tell you what you'll do. You'll run to Jesus because he'll make Jesus so beautiful. Even if you've sinned grossly, it'll cause you to want to run to Jesus and make it right. The Holy Spirit draws us. Satan beats us. Comes disguised as an angel of light. And uh, I'm gonna, here it is. I'm going to put it out. Well, let's just throw in the next verse too. Therefore, verse 15, no great thing if his ministers, anybody ever believe Satan's got ministers? Right there it is. His ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their work. So does the Bible say. Is Satan using ministers today? Very clear right there. Here it is. You ready? Religion is Satan's masterpiece. It'll send more people to hell than any other thing. It's a masterpiece. Can you see now why Jesus said, beware of this thing and be careful of it, pay attention to it. You you say, brother man, what what am I going to do? Here's the difference. It looks just like faith, but it is void of life. There's no spirit life in it. There's no spirit in it. The body without the spirit is dead. All right, this is pretty clear. Let's, let's do this here real quick. Um, let me mention two things about this, why we should beware of it. The, listen, a religious spirit is very powerful. It can influence. That's why the Bible said beware of the influence. It'll influence you. And I want to teach you what it'll do to you. I want you to turn it down. John chapter 9. Let me show you what it'll cause you to do. John chapter 9. And he said, be careful of this. Here's a great picture of the power of a religious spirit. And this religious spirit will say to you, you either conform or we'll kick you out. You either conform or you'll be rejected. And one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life is John chapter 9. Now, John 9, the whole chapter is one, one passage. 
It's where Jesus healed the blind man. Y'all remember this guy sitting there blind? And his disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, where do you get this junk from? I want to help this man. Why are you worried about how he got in the hole? How many of you know if you in the hole, how you got in ain't the issue? Getting you out is the issue. Do you remember Jesus made mud, put it in his eye, washed it out. He's seeing. This guy had been blind for 34 years. You can't work in that culture. Everything's labor with your hands. He's sitting on the side road begging. You'd think somebody would be excited, wouldn't you? How about his parents? you think his parents would be excited? I'd kiss Jesus' feet. If my son had been blind 34 years and Jesus healed him, I'd kiss his feet. You couldn't hold me down if he'd done this for my kids. You'll see the power of religion. Look at me in John chapter 9, verse 18. John 9, 18. The Jews didn't believe him that he'd been blind. Bunch of dummies. Who's blind here? <laughs> and received a sight. So they called his parents and received, they, they asked him saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Small town. He'd been sitting on the side of the road 34 years. And they say, you, you've been playing with us the whole time. Man. You've had him sitting there for 34 years pretending to be blind. God have mercy. Well, don't have mercy on him. All right, whom you say was blind. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know this is our son, so far so good. We know he was born blind. By what means he now sees, we do not know. We don't know how he sees. You'll have to ask him. They knew good and well how he saw. And they're willing to deny the Savior who helped their son to do what? Keep religious people happy. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Because they'd already agreed, if you start following this Jesus, we're going to kick you out of this church. You take this Jesus stuff serious, we'll throw you out of this church. And they went, they turned against Jesus to keep religious people happy. That's how powerful a religious spirit is. You need to make up your, listen, I'd have shouted, hallelujah, Jesus healed my son. Kick me out if you want to. I'm going with Jesus wherever he's going. I mean, well, listen, you cannot have religious people happy. That's why there's no conveyance between them. I'll give you an example. I still hold the world's record for the shortest ministry. I do. I'm a young man. I'm in college and I went to a church. I was going to be their minister. And so I went there on a Sunday. It's in Cowpens, South Carolina. That's like Smucker's Jelly with a name like that. Can anything you said in the Bible, can anything good come out of Cowpens? So I go to a, a church in Cowpens. I'm going to be the minister. I preach on a Sunday morning. You know, I have a trial sermon. That's a religious beauty contest. I had a trial sermon. Got done. They voted me as their preacher about 1230 that morning. That night we had a reception for the new minister. I went to the reception. We're down there, all of us, you know, the glass punch and cheap cookies and all that mess. And I'm out there talking to some fellas. <laughs> one of them, one of, I said something about everybody. I said, them how we'll get everybody. And all of a sudden it went deathly silent in that place. My little circle was at. And I said, I say something wrong. And one of them said, well, preacher, those are, back then you called them colored people. So those are colored houses over colored people live there. I said, is that a problem? And man, every one of them deacons become like the Mississippi River in the wintertime. They just froze up at the mouth. I mean, not a word. <laughs> I said, I smell a problem here. I said, I'll be right back. I got to go somewhere. So I go over to the head man, you know, the head man who brought me in there. Everybody every church got a head man. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, certainly son, son. <laughs> Knock your religious mess. <laughs> I said, y'all not allow black people in your church? He's, and on his third, uh, I knew he was in trouble. 
And he said what they always, instead of just saying, no, we hate people, having the guts to tell the truth, he said, son, they got their own church they can go to. And I took my little glass, put it on my little plate, set it on his, said, I quit. The door happened to be right there. I walked out the door, got my Trans Am. I will go through Tennessee to keep from going through Cowpens now. I won't even drive near the place anymore. <laughs> I was their minister for seven hours. <laughs> seven hours. I hold the record for the world's shortest tenure. Probably be shorter than that at some of them. You know, and I had to make a decision. You gonna honor Jesus or are you gonna bow down to this religious spirit? Listen, stick it in your ear, dear. Jesus died for me and I'm gonna spend eternity with him. I just want to point out how powerful this thing is and uh, you need to stay away from it. Now listen, I've had pe- listen, I've had people say to me, Brother Brian, can't, can't you just cooperate a little bit and not cause so much trouble? No. Listen, listen. You get drunk, I'll come pick you up and bring you back to church. You struggle with pornography, I'll say, you come here, we'll help you. You get religious on me, I ain't giving you an inch. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. If you give an inch, you'll destroy what God's doing. Listen what the Bible, the whole book of Galatians is against religion. And he, it's, it's the man who led them to Jesus, religious people came in, he was furious. Now, don't you listen to what he said to him? He said, if you, if you, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Listen to what he said. They came in secretly to spy out our freedom that we have in Jesus and tried to bring us into bondage. They wanted to make us do their religious stuff. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 2. He said, I didn't yield for a moment because I want the truth of Christ to continue with you. Then it was just not Jesus plus wearing a necktie. It's not Jesus plus no beach or rock and roll or country music. Y'all can't amen that. Okay, y'all listen to Caleb all the time. Fine, be silly if you want to. It is Jesus plus nothing. You can't let anybody add anything to it. And he said, I'm not yielding an inch. I'm going to ask you a question. Did Jesus yield to him? All right, let's go a little further. You want to have some fun? Did Jesus purposely, that means on purpose, did Jesus purposely hack them off? Why was he always wanting to heal on the Sabbath? Right in front of them. Did it right in front of them on the Sabbath. Why didn't Jesus say, <clears throat> come here, listen, you, meet me by the, <laughs> meet me behind the train station on Monday. <laughs> Why did Jesus go right in front of them and break their rules every chance he got? Because he wanted people to know it is following my father. It's not this stuff. Years ago, when I used to be in a ministerial association, we had to meet once a month, which is when a bunch of stiff old men in neckties get together and talk about nothing worth hearing. And I would get in trouble because back then I rode a Harley Davidson. I was young and I rode my scooter. I call it a scooter. I rode my Harley everywhere. And, uh, you know, you'd go these things and it was ministerial attire was required. Had heavy coat and tie. Well, I go cruising in blue jeans and boots and a T-shirt with the sleeves ripped off of them and a skull and crossbones on it. (laughs) Well, Brother Biggers is here. (laughs) I wasn't being hard to get along with. It's just a test, just a test. All right, let me, I got to quit. Oh, we got to quit. Let me, let me say something here. You beware of the Pharisee and anybody else. Don't let anybody, listen to what the book said in Galatians. Don't let anybody bring you into bondage. Don't let them do that to you. Listen to what the Bible said. Give no place to the devil. Don't yield an inch to it. I'm not going to yield an inch to it. But here's the big one. Be careful with the Pharisee and me. 
I, I was caught up in this thing. I love Jesus, but I got caught up in a Pharisee spirit. I became so religious, people couldn't stand to be around me. It's so easy. It looks so right, but it's so unholy and so unlike Jesus. And you be careful of it in you. When you find yourself, John chapter 8, when people are great sinners and you're angry at them instead of having compassion toward them, you need to be careful you're getting in trouble. It'll slip up on you. That's why it's so dangerous. And then, uh, well, we got time. Let's look in Galatians. Let me show you something. Let me show you what's killed more churches and took the life of God out of churches. Now, Galatians is, again, it's the book where I, I don't even talk as ugly as he talked in this book. It's the ugliest book in the Bible. He said some things in there I wouldn't even say in public. He is angry. And he's not mad at heathens and hussies and gamblers. He's mad at preachers and religious people. But I want you to see something in the scripture here. Let me show you why this is so dangerous. It's killed people. Stand fast, verse five, chapter five, verse one of Galatians. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And he's not talking about cigarettes, booze, pornography. He's talking about religion. You read the whole chase. He said, don't become religious again. Then he said this. I'm going to tell you, verse two. If you become religious, circumcised would be religion today. If you become religious, Christ can't do anything for you. Christ will profit you nothing. All right, verse four. You've become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Can a Christian fall from grace? Right there it is. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you've cut the power of the Holy Spirit off in your life and you're not living under grace anymore. You, estranged means cut off from the power of Jesus. The joy disappears. The excitement disappears. The, the power of God to change disappears. You begin to have to grind it out. Here's the bottom line. I love this verse, verse six. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Faith working through love is all that matters. You know what circumcision is, don't you? Got on your necktie, got on your Sunday best. You're doing all the religious things, go to every meeting. You're just religious as all get out. What's uncircumcision? We ain't got no organ in here. We play guitars and drums in here. Our preacher goes around in short britches. We're free, man. That may not be Jesus. That's uncircumcision. Ain't neither one of them any good. It ain't suits or shorts. It ain't guitars or organs. It ain't formal or hootenanny. It's faith driven by the love of God. It's the bottom line. You got some folks that are anti, they're anti-religious. Well, anti-religion don't help you none. It's faith and the love of God. That's the bottom line. All right, I thought I'd just bless you here a little bit. Let me give you a test and then we're done. You need some safeguards in your life. When you see these things starting to creep in your life, you need to pay attention. This is the, this is the signs of a spirit of religion creeping up on you. Number one, here's the big one, loss of joy. When you begin to lose the joy in your life, listen, religion will suck the joy out of you in a heartbeat. When you stop being excited about Jesus, let, let, listen, let me, let me tell you what their names are. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the legalists. The Sadducees were the liberals. That, that's exactly the same situation we got today. See, they weren't fair, you see. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> then when you become a fair, you see. Fair, you see. You'll be sad and everybody will see it. That, listen, when you begin to lose the joy, listen, the Holy Spirit is pure joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. There, there should be a joy about people. But when you lose that joy and you begin grinding it out, you need to do a checkup. Number two, you're angry at sinners. Brother Brian, shouldn't there be a righteous indignation? Call it what God calls it. When you start getting mad because people act the way they do, 
That's a religious spirit. Let me tell you something about this anger that's in the land today, even from good people. The anger of man, the wrath of man, never works the righteousness of God. He never uses it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, you never fix wrong with wrong. You never fix what's wrong with hatred and anger. You fix it with the Word of God. When you start getting angry at sinners, you're in trouble. Number three, the need to police. When you decide you want to police everybody and you're going to watch and make sure everybody's doing right, you need to be careful. You get in there. What did the Bible say over and over? Listen to what it said over and over about the Pharisees. They watched him so they could catch him. To catch him in his words. Let me make an announcement. There's a God and you ain't him. Let it go, June. Turn it loose. There's somebody running this planet. If he needs your help, he'll call you. The eye in the sky has got him. You just relax a little bit. When you, when you feel like you need to police everybody, we're watching you. I've had people tell me, I got my own you. You know, I'm purposely going to do something to hack you off when you do that. I'm liable to come in here without a shirt one day. That'll bless everybody. <laughs> but when you just, you just need to watch everybody, that's the spirit of religion. Number four, when the word of God dies. This book's supposed to be alive. It's supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be sweet to you. When it becomes a discipline and a chore and it gets boring, something's wrong. You don't have to force people to read the Bible. I stayed with Aunt a lot of times. They were more backwards than we were. And I had a, she had a son, my cousin. He was worse than I was. And you know what punishment I was? Don't get his Bible. I'm going to make him read it. He's been bad. Oh, I just, that'll cause him to love Jesus. Number five, <laughs> you start taking yourself too serious. You need to relax a little bit. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just listen to my face. Unless you become like a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom. How many of you see kids fretting and worried and nervous today? They're playing. You need to celebrate his goodness. Number six, when delight becomes a duty. Then once when prayer becomes a discipline instead of a delight, something's wrong. Uh, something's wrong. Talking to my daddy is a joy. I get to talk to the creator of this universe. And Jesus warned, he said, do not be like the Pharisees. Don't just rattle off your prayers because you've got to get them done. He said, I'm not listening. Talk to him from the heart. Let me tell you something. When, when going to church becomes a duty instead of a delight, you need to enjoy coming down here. Hugging, well, you can't hug right now. Distance hugging, smiling, whatever. Dear ones, when witnessing becomes a duty instead of a delight. I, we don't have to witness. We get to witness. Man, to talk about Jesus the most wonderful thing in all the world. Something's wrong. That, that's the spirit of religion. Everything becomes grinded out. Me and Mike talked with a fellow yesterday, and he gave me the greatest definition of witnessing. He said, it's when you leave people you've talked to with a better understanding of God than they had before you started. That's witnessing. When you walk away from people and they think better of God than before you got there, that's witnessing. Let me make it now. Let me help you understand this. Y'all, are you ready for this? Y'all are, not, are y'all religious? I didn't think so. You, you don't have to, uh, dis- I don't have to discipline myself to kiss my wife. You don't even have to fuss at me for not doing it. You'll have to discipline me to stop. 
We've been married 39 years. We've been kissing 41 years. I have never said, crap, I got to kiss her. I've never said that. It's never been a duty to me. I love to kiss that woman. Every chance I get, if I can get her to slow down or walk slow. The deal is, when did Jesus become this duty that we have? Something's wrong. Religions grind it out, go through the motions, going through the motions. I thought every day with Jesus was supposed to be sweeter than the day before. It is. Every day with religion will choke you. <laughs> All right. When delight becomes duty. How about somebody, I came up with this saying, we should serve the Lord with gladness. Just thought I'd throw that out there. People start running from you instead of to you. When people start finding reasons to get away from you, that's a religious spirit. Listen, they flocked to Jesus. In the Bible, they still do. They run to Jesus. <clears throat> Boy, I hope you can handle this one. You start wanting Jesus to come back for the wrong reason. I want Jesus to come back because I want to see his face. I don't need Jesus to come back and rescue me out of this nasty world. I'm having a blast right in the middle of this thing. Matter of fact, suit me if he delayed for a while because either way, I'm going to glory, but if he comes back now, they're going to hell. Fine with me if he just waits a while. I'm having a blast with him right here. And then let me, can I throw in one more? This is a bunch. Can I throw in one more? I promise I'm done right here. One more. Brother Brian's preaching starts irritating you. That's a sure sign the Pharisee creeping up on you. I'm going to say it again. I don't think cocaine's going to be a struggle for me. I'm pretty much, you know, I'm into the bare aspirin phase now. <laughs> I don't think cocaine's going to be a problem. I'm not running off with the piano player, and it's not just because I'm old. It's because we just wouldn't make a good pair. Of all the things that Jesus never told me, beware of cocaine, son. Brother Brian, beware of cocaine. I'm not going to join a traveling circus. All right? I'm not going to steal money. I got plenty. The reason Jesus said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees is because that's the one thing that'll get you. It's one thing you need to pay attention to. All right, let's make a deal. We'll just, let's just make a deal right here. Not in my house. It ain't going to be in this church. You see, you got, oh, you got, oh, you got a bunch of weird old people down there. I praise God. It's exactly what I was wanting. It's not going to be in his heart. And it ain't going to be in his house. I want people free. And I want them free from evil religion. I want them to belong to Jesus. I'd have loaded your wagon tonight. I know that's a lot. But, and I love this. I love to just talk. But I'm going to tell you something. I love to talk about this stuff. I issue you a warning tonight. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In every regard. Don't let it get in your life. It'll choke the life out of you. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. And thank you so much. You didn't die to make us religious. You didn't die to put us into bondage. You didn't die to make us bitter and angry and fussy. You died to set us free. I thank you that every day with you really is sweeter than the day before. Thank you that if it's really you. I pray over these people. I pray over this house. I pray, number one, the wisdom to know the difference. Dear Jesus, we're all deceived apart from the spirit of truth. I was so deceived by religion and just wounded me and hurt people and I just pray for the wisdom to know the difference and I believe you to do that I believe these people will develop a sixth sense of smell and they'll smell it so that, that's not Jesus that's dead religion I trust you for that and I praise you for the desire to be free Father I pray for people sitting here tonight as I went through those things some of them said I, I'm caught I'm there to where 
delight has become a duty, I pray bring back the glory. Let let be as sweet as you were at one time to them. Let them be as free as they used to be. Let them be as excited about you. Let them hear the voice of Jesus instead of the one who disguises himself as you. I trust you for that. Thank you for being so good. And I want to clarify. I want to make sure you heard right what I said down here. I am so looking forward to you coming back one day, but I praise you that I got you now. And I get to enjoy you now. And if it means a few more folks can get on the bus, you just take all the time you need to to get them in there. Thank you that the Lord is patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I thank you for your goodness. I will never get over the fact that you love me, care about me. I want every person in here to know it. Lord Jesus, for those that have been beat up by religion and wounded and hurt, in Jesus' name, I cut the chains off of them by your word tonight and speak healing to them. Wisdom, that wasn't Jesus, that was somebody else. Thank you that you're the healer and the life giver and the savior. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray, amen.